0: Welcome back to State of Emergency. This is Peter Schorsch here with my co-host, Jared Moskowitz, the former director of emergency management for the state of Florida. Good morning, Jared. How are you?
1: Good morning, Peter. How are you doing on this uh, wonderful day?
0: (laughs) Um, If there is a state of emergency, it is uh, within the Democratic Party nationally um, after Tuesday's results. Um, We're going to talk about that. Well, here in the
1: state of Florida, the Democratic Party has been in a state of emergency for twenty-five years.
0: That I wouldn't even. I mean, I don't even. They're like, oh god, this is here we go. They're like the Haiti of uh, political parties um, <laughs> at this point. Oh, I'm going to hear about that one. But I've, we're going to bring on Senator Janet Cruz uh, to talk about the way forward, if there is one, for Democrats. Jared and I are going to talk about that um by ourselves afterwards i i I think i've got to frame it with the tweet that you put out jared i i it was simple um i don't remember the exact words of it right now i guess i could have looked it up uh as i do in all my preparation for these podcasts but i think you basically tweeted kind of like you know you weren't responding to anything but you basically said just get stuff done um Do you remember that tweet? I think it was like kind of Tuesday night or Wednesday morning.
1: Yeah, I mean, all I said is get stuff done. It's that simple, right? I mean, doing nothing after the country gives you power is political malpractice, you know, Uh, and it just it literally I feel like we should reach out to Clarendon because the Democratic Party is allergic to strategy. Uh, I mean, we, we have a bipartisan bill that was sent to us from the Senate and Joe Biden, just to refresh everybody's memory, he beat Bernie Sanders. Oh, that's and, right. And, and the idea that Joe Biden, who ran as a moderate, ran as somebody who wanted to get things done, who was going to work across the aisle, uh, we get a bipartisan infrastructure bill. Let's be clear. And then, remaining of the three years, the Republicans are going to send nothing else to Joe Biden with their name on it. And so we have this bill. Uh, it would create a tremendous amount of jobs. It would fix our infrastructure. And yet. Democrats are fighting amongst themselves. Uh, and that's fed into everybody's brain, especially the independents, every single solitary day uh, on television. And look, that's not the only reason that what happened in Virginia and what almost happened in New Jersey. There's a lot of other reasons, but, but this is a big reason. When you get power, you have to show people that you're competent and that you're gonna do something with it. And what, Dem- what we've done in DC is just shown that we're fighting amongst ourselves.
0: We assume that uh, anyone that's listening to a podcast with uh, you and I on it, that they know what happened Tuesday, but it basically was a route um, in Virginia. I think it was a, ended up being a 12-point swing from where Biden was in 2020 to where Yankin won. Um, An 18-point swing among independents. 18-point swing among independents. You had a close um, race in New Jersey. I think one of the... The gubernatorial race there. I think one of the fascinating stories out of New Jersey is that the Senate president there was knocked Steve off Steve
1: Sweeney. By, good old, by. good old Steve Sweeney.
0: Good old Steve Sweeney. Um, for somebody that ran a $159 uh campaign, Janet Cruz may be looking at that and wondering if they can uh field somebody against Kathleen Pasadomo or Ben albritton and beat them with $159. Probably not the way the districts are drawn in Florida, but let's bring on. No, but uh,
1: Peter, before we get to Janet, real quick, because oh, I want Jan, I want Janet to comment on this because I think it's I think it's significant. So for those people who don't know Jersey politics, and I only know that because uh, I I had many interactions with Steve Sweeney during uh, Hurricane Sandy. So you
0: really have a Steve Sweeney song here or Steve Sweeney I, I, story?
1: Yeah, I mean Steve Sweeney. Uh, at the time uh, of Hurricane Sandy, you'll be surprised that that disaster turned political. uh, And uh, I was involved in having to work with with, uh, President Sweeney. This guy was the president of the Senate. And he wasn't just the president of the Senate. He was, you know, the grand poobah of the Democratic Party in legislative politics for three decades. Um, and, And some guy with $150 in the primary and $5,000 in the general uh, beat him. I mean, that would literally be like tomorrow, Wilton Simpson losing to some Democrat uh, in Pasco County with five grand. We would, we, we would not believe it. It would be a seismic thing that happened. Uh, and, and that's what happened in New Jersey. And there they don't have term limits. So, I mean, this guy has been around for a long, long, long time, and was the most powerful Democrat in the state, more powerful than the governors, because governors have come and gone. Steve Sweeney has still been there. And and he was removed uh, literally because he didn't have an R next to his name. There's nobody who knew who this truck driver was. He just, the truck driver had an R next to his name, and Steve Sweeney is no longer in politics. So truck drivers
0: are, truck drivers are having a moment right now. I mean, maybe that was the
1: story is that, <laughs> people want their people want their shit on time and so and they're, they're trying they're they're, yeah. good, they're they're trying to lift up truck drivers please bring our stuff. All right, let's
0: bring in a state senator from um Hillsborough, a good friend of both of ours, Janet Cruz, uh morning. Senator, good morning. How are you?
2: Um I am fine. I'm over here in New York. It's chilly and I'm excited to uh to get out about, about the town and uh, we went to dinner last night. The restaurants are packed and when you walk in, they ask you for your vaccine card and everyone complies without uh, without yeah. argument and, uh, and we had a wonderful dinner
0: where did you uh just because you know i love the city i know
2: Peter i i couldn't wait to tell you about this place and it was anna and nick that told me about it but it's called quality meats and oh
0: yeah right it, there on uh right by the rip carlton on uh yes. 7th
2: avenue yeah. yeah one of the best meals i've had in a long time really delicious Quality Meats.
1: It,
0: it, it, it sounds
1: you're there's like there's this there's this nightclub I go to called Quality Meats. Is that not, not
2: <laughs> no, that would that's to, different? A that meat market. Uh,
1: oh, oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I am thinking about what a great block that is. Like you just said, like Quality Meats. Like I can just see it right there. Um, I think there's a hotel like that is across the street that's like got a lot yeah. of like um, outdoor like gar- like ivy and
2: everything. Right. It's, like, beautiful. Right. Good memory, Peter. Yep
0: um it, that's well i mean 59th uh 59th avenue is where is the south part of central park for everybody everybody they may not have been to new york but they've seen that if you've watched law and order uh for one episode they've seen uh the, the that part that's where um you know the ritz carlton is that's where the plaza is on right. that street the apple store so everybody's seen that one and you were i think quality meets is like on 58th or something like that so that's Oh, I'm so, I'm jealous. I'm jealous.
2: Yeah. What Uh, are your
0: takeaways? Give us your two or three takeaways from Tuesday, um, from the midterm, midterm.
2: Well, look, I, you know, uh, any Democrat that would offer an excuse would be a fool. I'm disappointed. And, um, you know, it is exactly what Jared said. It's inaction in uh, DC. And, um, you know, this ridiculous infighting is hurting our president. And it's, it's hurt our candidates. And if someone like myself or, and, and Jared, you remember this, the, the, uh, the Danish race against Sean Harrison. I mean, at that, uh, at that juncture, at that uh, campaign, if you had a pulse um, and a D behind your name, you were gonna flip that seat, which is what we did. So, you know, if someone's looking at my seat, they're probably jumping up and down and cheering um, uh, any, any of these very close seats. Um, you know, the problems now become Democrats are cheering, or
0: Republicans are cheering.
2: Republicans are cheering. Yeah. You know, we, my race, although a Senate race, we as uh, Democrats raised 12 million and the Republicans probably all in were about 20 million. When you think about the kind of money we spent on a Senate race, it's egregious, actually, and awful. And, you know, I'm gearing up and raising money because I expect it to be a uh, a real uh, battleground for both the Dems and the Republicans.
1: Yeah, I mean, Peter, what Janet is saying is that if you're a Republican in Florida and you're either in power or you're looking to run for office after this last week, you're licking your chops uh, because you think that, hey, it, you know, a year is, you know, a lifetime in politics, but, you know, they, they're they looking at this thinking that this trend is, is going to continue. Now, look, they can, the, the Republicans are perfectly capable of ruining it. Uh, they've shown that in the past Uh, but I mean if you're if you're a Republican in Florida right now and the governor's approval rating is above 50 percent I mean you're thinking uh, that you're in the driver's seat and oh guess what by the way they get to also draw the lines uh, as well Mm -hmm. so let's not forget so they got they got the political wave going their way they get to draw the lines and they got a governor over 50 percent I mean so if you're a Republican in Florida and you're Either in power or thinking of getting to get into power, you probably could not have a better situation uh, at, at the moment.
2: All right, so and I know, want- let's really take a look at the work that the Republicans did in, in uh, redistricting. I don't know, uh, Jared. Is it twenty or thirty years ago? But when they gerrymandered these districts, uh, you know, the, the registration of Democrats to Republicans in the state is about 50-50 with a trajectory of uh, of uh, of independence escalating quickly, but nevertheless, it's 50-50. Yet the representation in the House and the Senate is so skewed because they've gerrymandered the districts. And because of the gerrymandering, we have 26 years of Republican control. Um, And what happens with that control is the ability to raise vast amounts of money. So as Democrats, we are outraised probably 30 to one in Tallahassee. So it's like this hole that, you know this like this quicksand that we keep digging into, and you know um, there are some of us like me who go out and fight a good fight. And Jared's always fought a good fight. Many of us fight a good fight, but it is um, it is quite frustrating. You know, a win for us in in uh, in Florida is a really big deal these days because of gerrymandering and because of the the uh, imbalance of dollars. Well, and that's why that's why we have
1: to go out. That's why, you know, every year, you know, Peter, uh, every four years when it's the governor's race, the Democrats have no choice but to swing for the fence in the governor's race because we're so behind in the House. The Senate, uh, you know, has gotten further away from us. And so it's really only for now the governor's race in, in which we have to go out and try to hit a grand slam every four years to try to to try to get that seat.
0: I, I'm gonna. I'm. Gonna, I want to push back on one part and then go back to the top on another part. On the gerrymandered part, I don't agree with that. On the Senate seats, um, I think that we lose. I think the Democrats lose. I always say we, and then I hear about it. Um, I think Democrats. I think it is partially gerrymandering, but Amanda Murphy had a had a shot at beating Ed Hooper, and jjr certainly i mean obviously now we're seeing that there was probably criminal involvement in there but he should not have lost that seat so not everything is due uh to gerrymandering and i look even in pinellas county right now you have a winnable seat here jeff Grant, i know the seat like the back of my hand even though the advantage is what it is um to give the that there's not a democrat here in in blue in a city that just elected a black mayor that wants to run against that, I just I, I can't chalk it all up to gerrymandering, but I want to go back up to the top and say um, I'm amazed at, at, at how angry everyone is uh, at Democrats. And I think Joe Biden is so good at this. You, if you remember when he was VP and Obama was struggling, he said, um, you know, all we have to say is Osama bin Laden is dead and GM is alive. And if we just stick to that, we don't have to worry about. And and then they got all twisted around and they got beat up in 2010, et cetera. Finally, they were listening to to a simpler message in 12. I think Joe Biden had a great point the other day. And he said, are you better off this Thanksgiving than last Thanksgiving? And I think overwhelmingly the answer is yes. And yet he's getting, you know, he's at 42% approval rating. And I just... I wonder how much of this is manufactured. I, I know that this is not going to solve anything, but it just doesn't seem fair that he's getting his butt kicked to the degree of which he is.
2: Right. I think you're right, Peter. I think it's manufactured. I think that it starts with little messages that resonate against the, uh, the folks that were uh, hardcore supporters of Trump. And, you know, they started out with the watch the, the price of gas rise because, uh, because Biden is in office and, you know, these are, oftentimes you're, you're looking at people that are bitching about that, but they spend $5 every morning on a cup of uh, Starbucks, but it's a good message, you know, and it uh, it res- resonates among the unhappy masses, but they're, you know, I think they're masterful at messaging, honestly. They're doing a better job. It's working.
1: It, I, Peter, I think, I think the Senator's right. I think you're right. Um, but we've seen this show before. I mean, let's not be. This started first of all that with Joe Biden didn't win the election, so the messaging against Joe Biden literally started the day he won. Okay, and then it and then it went into the border, right? He's just letting people pour over the border. I mean, and and to be quite honest, I think they succeeded in that messaging. Um, then it's now it's gas prices. Now it's supply chain. Uh, it's Afghanistan, right? A- and to be quite honest, they have a messaging machine, right? Talk radio, Fox News, all these other things that have popped up, Facebook, whatever it is. But it's not like we don't know that. It's not like, oh my God, we've been caught off guard. Look at this machine that they have. Like we knew that this was gonna happen. And so what are, what are we supposed to be doing? What, what, what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be fighting that message. And instead of fighting that message, we've been fighting amongst ourselves.
0: Yes, and- I, I do blame. I think half of it is self-inflicted right now with the and I think, Janet, you said to it that we're just we're not getting anything done out of D.C. And the idea, you know, that and I get it, that Manchin is holding up a lot of stuff and things like that. But listen, I mean, you just got to fold in on the president, the the progressives at this point. I mean, we we should ha- he should have gone to Europe with with a bill um and 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 we should and i don't now i don't think that that would solve what happened with in virginia um i think that there is something going on and i think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it you know this parents rights movement i don't know if it is manufactured i don't know where i don't i don't i don't know about it i don't get it uh i'm not saying uh it's not there but clearly there is, there is a segment of the parenting population that just
1: uh, is very angry right now. Um, well, and, Peter, you know why they're angry in Virginia, don't you? Uh, you tell me. Well, so look, you know, obviously there's yeah, these- ma- I know. <laughs> Yeah, but look, there, there's these manufactured issues like CRT, right, and, and these other issues, but they're only able to, to capture on this CRT nonsense and some of the other stuff that they ginned up because of how long the schools were closed in Virginia, okay? I'm a parent, I have two kids. Now, even though I didn't quarantine with my kids because unfortunately I didn't come home for four months and my wife had to do that all by herself, right? I could not imagine my kids being home in the house for in over 12 months. Yeah. So these parents have been locked in their house in Virginia with their kids not able to go to school. So where does that anger come from? That is where the number one anger comes from. And then you add on CRT, you add on the book stuff about you know parental notice about what's in these books, and you have a perfect storm for why parents are so angry. And then you have a gaffe. And that gaffe, which is would always have been a bad gaffe, but when parents were locked up in their house with their kids during COVID, And then you say, well, we don't really care what parents have to say into the education of their kids. That was just a perfect storm, unfortunately, that the McCulloch campaign um, had headwinds going into. And and I have no doubt that independent swing was dramatically motivated uh, by those issues uh, when it came to schools being closed and the, the, the nonsense with CRT. Uh, and then telling parents, yeah, we don't really care what you have to say when it comes to educating your kids. I mean, listen, you don't have to be a political savant to understand when a politician says to you, we don't think you should be involved in educating your children. I mean, that, that unfortunately, that line, which I don't think he meant that way, that line was just something that went everywhere. Janet mm-hmm.
0: it is, um, is the Democratic Party too beholden to the teachers' unions, uh, maybe not necessarily in Florida. I don't think it's super, I think it's obviously closely aligned with the teachers' union, but I thought about the image of Randy Weingarten being the closing speaker at Terry McAuliffe's uh, election party. And I just felt like, man, that was just that, it's not as bad as the gaffe that Jared's talking about, but is, is, is the teachers' unions, uh, are they hurting the Democratic Party right now, at least at the national level?
2: I, I, on a national level, perhaps, but, you know, honestly, we need big sources of, uh, of support and income, and I think in Florida, the, uh, the Republicans after 26 years of control have really, um, I wouldn't say diminished, but they've certainly hurt the power of... Uh, of the teachers union in Florida by making it more difficult to collect dues and making it more difficult to become a member and making it, uh, you know, stipulations where there has to be at least 50% membership. So they've kind of whittled away at some of that. Um, but, you know, we know it's, it's certainly no secret as, as a national Democrat that the, that the unions have typically, um, Backed us, and it's a, a large pot of money that we rely on when we can't rely on major businesses who tend to lean a bit more conservative. So, um, not at Marco
0: Rubio. I, I thought that was a big thing this week, just shifting. Um, Marco Rubio said that the GOP needed to, you know, break with the corporations. So these, uh, and then DeSantis last week at the Future of Florida forum had a, a scathing speech um, you know, really just coming over to somebody's house and, and, and stealing the remote control. He told the Florida chamber, um, and all of the companies there that he was, that he, he was going to put up with woke capitalism. He wasn't going to put up with activist CEOs. And I, I saw that. And I, 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 I thought of a lot of, uh, my democratic friends who were like, wait a second, um, if you're not going to take their money, do you mind if we get some of that Uh, Bank of America, uh, contributions.
2: That that rhetoric does not really follow reality. I mean, we know that. And and it's interesting that um, he would stand up and and make bold statements like that because we know that it's the major industry that drives uh, some of the policy and drives uh, what we see in Tallahassee and really, honestly, across the country. So trying to figure out. Where that that rhetoric and reality cross, because I don't, I don't, I don't believe it.
1: It is bizarre world though, Janet. Right? Would you say oh. when 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 we're watching Carlos Guillermo Smith having to defend corporate freedom and explain that <laughs> and explain that to Republicans? Right? That, I feel I feel like the world is upside down.
2: That's <laughs> pretty funny, but you're right. You're right. Listen, anytime we have parties that and, and we saw we see it in ta- in uh, Washington where um, you know, we feel the ultra progressives are screwing this up for Biden and we see the red meat being tossed out on, on, uh, on both sides actually. But when you have the fringes of both parties running the parties, we're, we're in trouble, you know, we're in trouble in both directions because the centrists, like Jared and I, you know, it's like, really, I think that, that we, we represent what is a majority of either party, but, we're just not quite as loud. We're just kind of putting our head down and getting our work done. But well, Jared, I,
1: I have a new slogan for us, which is that uh, we're pro, we're progressive but practical. Um,
2: like I'm going to use that, Jared. I like it.
1: You, you can you can write you can write that down. Only because listen, my ideas are progressive. My thoughts are progressive. So are yours. But it's also about what can we accomplish, right? right? I mean, th- this idea that you know we're going to try to be democratic Puritans and be, you know, well, if you're not 100% pure, well, if you can't get that done, then, then you know, it's nice that you have that thought, right? right? You, you know, you can, you can be woke all day long, but if you're not getting out of bed to go do something, right, to get something accomplished, uh, being woke for wokeness sake, um, you know, get, get, getting elected, and and Peter's heard me say this because I just feel like things have shifted dramatically being elected and getting into office isn't about building a twitter base it isn't about you know being able to you know cast stones every single day on twitter it's about changing laws and getting things in the budget to make people's lives better especially those who are less fortunate uh, and and minorities who who have been put down in society for a long period of time. That's why people get elected, right? We don't get elected to change words in dictionaries. We get elected to change laws, right. uh, and and that's 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 fading uh, a, a little in politics. I, I want to turn Janet a little bit to to session. Um, last session, uh, I think was a pretty was a pretty tough session. I mean, the the Republicans just seem to run roughshod over the Democrats. This session, which usually, the election year session, and you know this, you've gone through many of these, they're usually about rainbows and butterflies and raises and tax cuts. uh, And red meat doesn't usually happen in election years. Uh, This seems to be the direct opposite. This seems to be headed towards a very red meat session coupled with uh, redistricting. I mean, how are the Democrats? I mean, forget the House for a second, but how are the Democrats going to try to stop some of these things policy wise? And then, you know, how make sure we don't take our eye off the ball with redistricting? I mean, I can't remember a time when we're going to fight, you know, abortion, CRT, you know, additional election laws and redistricting all at the same time.
2: Well, I um. You know, Jared, we've had so many discussions about this, and I think that much of what you're saying, which is red meat for uh, for primaries, I, I think it's really kind of a, a, a wag the dog. I think the most important thing that we do walking away from this session is um, that we redistrict and we follow the amendment for fair districts that said that, um, you know, that says that Districts have to be contiguous and compact while protecting minorities. Um, But, you know, I think there'll be all this other chatter out there. I I, uh, think we'll see the CRT. I think we'll see the abortion. But we'll see that so that quietly um, these lines are going to be drawn, which will not favor Democrats. And they'll go to the courts. Um, which, in my opinion, at the at the moment, although we don't want to believe it, do not favor the Democrats either, because um, the Supremes are all appointed um, by the last two administrations. So I'm really quite worried, and I uh, I'm afraid that we are 16 in the Senate, and probably, you know, their their goal is going to try to to knock off a couple of senators, and in the House, I think it will get worse, and you know, any of the civics books will tell you that when, uh, that when government is, is balanced, we have, uh, better legislation and better representation, but there's such a void in Tallahassee right now. And there's such, in my opinion, an abuse of power. It's just like, we'll just roll right over them. You know, um, we don't have to answer. We have our voices. We raise our voices. We, uh, We write editorials, we jump on podcasts like this, but, you know, it's a numbers game. That's what's great about democracy is that, you know, the uh, majority rules. And that's exactly what's happening and been happening for 26 years.
1: Well, they got to be too careful. I mean, they got to be a little careful about making their tent a little bigger. I think they're starting to experience what happens when they have so many members and they don't need to fight with the Democrats. They start fighting amongst themselves and start eating their own. Um, and so they got to be a little careful about playing games and, and getting too many people up there uh, because that could cause them real problems. But Janet, I think you've raised a, a fantastic issue. I want to hear Peter's thoughts on it, which is these policy issues that we're going to debate this session. Those are going to carry the headlines, abortion, CRT, right. while right. while while we're redistricting, which may not break through publicly. People might not absorb that because they're so consumed about the abortion stuff and the CRT stuff. I mean, I think, I don't wanna say that this is a strategy of theirs. It may just be happening indirectly, but I think it's so critical and important to your point, which is all of this stuff's gonna be happening at once. How do we make sure that people are paying attention to the drawing of these lines? Because this is their time really to cement the Senate, in my opinion. Obviously, for ten years, but I think even for longer, uh, and and they may be able to do it, which complies with fair districts because of the courts. Um, I mean, Peter, what are your thoughts on that? About how you know, you know, the media is going to focus on these policy headlines, but really the story here is redistricting.
0: I go back to our top story: the one hundred fifty nine dollar, uh, you know, uh, your your buddy, the truck driver who knocked off the Senate president, you know, and that's not going to happen in Florida. I, I wanna quote the great philosopher um Harvey Dent from The Dark Knight, uh, who said it's always darkest before the dawn. Um, did you watch and, that
1: movie yesterday? <laughs> I,
0: I, when am I not watching that movie? Um <laughs> You know, I, I Well I, we I, know you're I, not preparing for this podcast, so we must <laughs> be doing something. <laughs> I was doing I, I did it was funny. I did a panel yesterday. My first like it was my first in-person panel. Um it was me and Dixon and he and I have like this, it's it's kind of where I want to bring Jared. Uh, he and I have got this great shtick. Um, you know, I I I make the jokes, he plays the straight guy, but Jared's, you know, uh, is funnier than Matt. So it's hard to, like, you gotta, it's a whole new sense of comic timing that we've got to get. And all these guys, all these men and women from the League of Cities, you know, it's mostly like democratic elected officials. It's all these people from, North Bay Town Village, and I'm like, oh, where's that? And they're like, oh, it's between Broward and Miami Dade. I'm like, well, where the hell is that? Um, and they're all, and they're all just like, somehow it was a, supposed to be this panel about the media, and yet they all they wanted to know is like, you know, it, it was like a union meeting. It was like, it was like, it was like watching um, uh, Jack Nicholson and Hoffa because they kept getting up like, well, how the hell do we tell them? they can't, uh, you know, they can't do this to us. And Dixon and I, our only answer would ever be, would be just like, we'll go win more elections. Um, and, but also with it, I, I kind of, and I'm, this is what I do with these panels. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just talk frank with you guys. I'm like, you guys gotta stop pussyfooting around. I'm like, you all play, you know, nice with these folks. And then they come back and they just kick the shit out of you. You know, the next time you want to and I said this to him, I'm like, you want to get the Airbnb bill, um, you know, shut down. Why don't you rent an Airbnb next to one of the House leaders or the Senate president and turn it into a dorm uh, the way that, you know, a, a beach house gets, you know, turned into a party house? That will change that person's perspective on Airbnb and you'll never you won't have a vacation rental. You got to start playing nasty, um, and I just feel like the Democrats. We talked about this the other night on the Twitter Spaces. We had like Kevin, Kate, and everybody, and it was like they were all arguing about the wallpaper while the house was burning down. And right. I just wonder if, like you know, there will be these sports teams that just continuously lose, and they 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 hire the third tier coach, and so they can they can never break out of it. But then somebody the makes. The Dolphins. <laughs> they make this crazy it must
2: have been there, but not anymore.
0: Where they like bring in like, they're like, well, they hired seven stockbrokers to come up with an algorithm and like <laughs> and that. And they're like, they have no experience in sports. And that's how they got back. Like they moneyballed it, like, you know, the A's and the Rays and all this stuff. And I just feel like and I don't have that answer. But that's what the Democrats have got to do, which is, I'm sorry, but. And I love these guys. These are our people. These are our friends. But it's like the Democrats have been using a lot of the same intelligentsia, consultants, mail vendors, TV folks, for 20 years now. Like, And I called him out the other day, Dylan Sumner, who a lot of people love and is a nice guy, but he lost the race for Darden Rice. His mail literally like cost Darden Rice a shot at making that runoff um and it was that bad and he's like the leading mail vendor and yet you know and it's my guy and i know that like you guys know him but like i remember bobby Debose fired reggie cardoza and i get it there's all sorts of backbiting and drama on that but i'm like the guy who just finished like in like ninth place in a cd20 primary i don't know why he did this uh why he even ran in the first place he just he was the guy who fired the guy who won five house seats so um, i just the democrats are insane they're just like crazy on how they're blocking and tackling and i know well, you
1: know with well, i don't the- know that we're i don't know that we're insane I, I i i think quite frankly when you've been in the desert for 25 years yeah. right um and it becomes tough to recruit talent up to tallahassee because let's be honest it is inconvenient, specifically so, to get there, okay? Uh, and you don't have a bench because you've not been able to build one because uh, you've, been, you've been in the minority for 25 years. What happens, Peter, is you get stuck uh, and y- y- in a malaise, okay? Not to be confused with mayonnaise. Uh, you, get, you get stuck in a malaise, and you're right. We, we rinse and repeat, baby. Rinse and repeat. Um, and look, there's some people who, you know, wanted to shake up the party, and we did that. Uh, and, you know, you're hoping things get better. Um, but, you know, I, I, I fear that, unfortunately, we're, we're just still stuck in, it, you know, in being just beat down and beat down and beat down. And listen... We got some great people in Tallahassee. They go up. They they treat this like their full-time job. Janet's been doing this for years. They fight. They they claw. They scream. But at the end of the day, um, we can't stop stuff. which is why you know I've said Democrats need to need to have multiple strategies. Which is kind of what you're talking about. One of those strategies, by the way, and I don't say they think that's playing dirty to do what you're saying, Peter. I think that's strategic. Okay. By the way, sometimes you can't stop a bill, not sometimes, most of the times, we can't stop a bill in Tallahassee, but we can try to mitigate it. So, yeah, we can't stop it, but maybe we can make it less bad, right? We'll still vote against it, but that's a tactic.
2: You know, uh, Jared has a good point there. And when you're not tossing bombs all the time, you can try, and Jared was expert at this, really, you can work at negotiating across the aisle. And I think that's what what Jared was masterful at. And I I felt like as Minority House Leader, um, you know, I was successful at doing that as well. Um, But until, you know, there we are so behind in this state and i you know, you said, Peter, this is a money ball. And until we get some national heavy duty national money going after the governor's race here, that's really our, our hope. And I, I, think Jared said that if we can put a democratic governor in the mansion, then at least we have the power of the veto for some of this bullshit legislation that comes down that they cram down our throats and we just have to sit and rail against it. You know, um, but at this point, we're so far behind in the dollars here that it, it mm-hmm. would have to take national money and national money comes in, but not enough.
0: Well, and look at what happened this week. I mean, you want to talk about the worst news ever. The Democratic Governors Association uh, is reported to have told a couple of consultants that they're not going to come into Florida. Um, I don't even I mean, I don't even know why that's getting out you know, uh, why you would say that, but that was just horrible news for Nikki Free, Charlie Christ, Annette Tadeo at this point. Um, I I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the case come September, October, but to say that now and for Politico to report about it, uh, I'm not blaming Politico, I'm just saying that the fact that it's being reported is, it's just really bad news. You keep saying that though, I'm glad you, um, you, you bring up the money because, I know you're not a you're, you're you're not an um I don't know you're you're not uh a, a not not an ideal. You don't bury your head in the sand. No. Uh, you is is there is there talk to us about your race. I mean, like honestly because I do feel like your race is probably is probably the most important because it is the battleground. It is the sway between, you know, you could see a 27-13 Senate if we if we were to lose your seat or you know, but what is going on in your race? How do you think how in do you think that they would run up those? 2000,
2: in 2010, Peter, there were 12 Democratic senators, and then we had a redistricting, and uh it changed the numbers. Um, and if you go, you know, take a look at JJR's race, JJR was begging the Democrats and saying, you know, there's trouble here, and no one wanted to believe that JJR wouldn't be able to pull that off himself, but you know, he had that. He had that dark force working against him, which was completely unfair and, uh, you know, just uh, an insult to our democracy. But nevertheless, it happens. And if it happens again, nothing will change the election. So someone like an Artillas may end up in jail, but it doesn't change the fact that that we lost a seat. Um, In my race, um, you know, I have my head down. I have always been a workhorse and not a show horse. That's my strength is I know how to work. And um I just put my head down on uh you know rather than attend pancake breakfasts or sit on panels, um I'm I am sitting at a table um raising money and because, So you're
0: against pancakes. Is that what we're is that yeah. the news today? Yeah. I
2: guess I guess that was I guess no, I mean, so when so you lose in
0: November, it's gonna come back to cruise went against pancakes.
2: Yeah, I did. I just I did that. Sorry about that. Let's say okay. uh, chili cook-offs. Then how about if we use chili cook-offs okay. All instead of right. breakfast? But um, yeah, I just have to work twice as hard, and I, and I know that, and I do that, um, and that's what it'll take to win this time. And after these this uh, showing, uh, you know, this last election this week, I, I realized that I'm going to have to to double time it, and uh, it's a money ball. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, you have to go knock doors. You have to go uh, and, and, and you have to go reach out to the independents because in my district, that's where the race is. And, um, you know, I just have to keep raising money. Unfortunately, this is uh, the most expensive media market in the state, the I-4 corridor. And um, I have to be able to, in the last four weeks of the race, put a million dollars a week in, uh, on TV.
0: Um, i want to ask you a follow-up to that
2: the maps
0: are not out and i've said if you listen to some of my other podcasts, i've said um, i would not be surprised if somehow we don't have maps in time for qualifying and uh, that started with trump with him not with him botching the census the data came late uh, but now we're at the phase uh, they've been doing redistricting meetings and I know that they're gonna be secretive and all that stuff. I'll leave that for Mary Ellen to complain about, but we don't have maps yet. And it is the middle of November now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's starting to get a little dicey, right? I mean, like this is like, uh, in your opinion, what's going on, where are the maps? Why don't we have um, that first draft at least of something um, so that we can all knock it down and make fun of it. But we need to be at that part of the story by now right
2: I, I, we would think that that makes sense but i don't expect that we'll see it i think that they'll just continue to stall until they're ready to blow up some other legislation so that they can put it out and and not have that the star of the media market for the the week or the day um you know looking at the maps uh, i'm looking at hillsborough county which we see is c- continues to trend more democratic um but all we can do now, I mean, the, the control is in their hands, it's what I spoke about before. And I know that the folks listening to us are the infield, so they fully understand this. But, you know, um, they're in control. They're in total control. So um, we just have to sit back and watch and speculate in which direction they'll reach for, for voters in, in districts where we have to add voters. I think I have to add 15,000. In in South Florida, they're losing population. So, um they have to to uh, gain some voters. It's uh, it's interesting. And I'm not positive that that our whole um, our whole census, de- you know, our whole census take wasn't a complete debacle. But we you know, the results are in and we have to deal with what we have.
0: I think it was a debacle.
1: Jared, go ahead. No, I mean, listen, uh, you know, Janet had, you know, one of the not one of the toughest races that I think we've seen. Uh, to be co- to get into the Senate uh, in a long time, I mean it came down to the wire. I think more money was spent there, you know, than in in many congressional races. Quite frankly, it's true, um, You're right? Yeah, yeah, and and well, look, Jenna, let's be honest, right? Uh, it, lately, there's been more stuff happening in the Senate than in Congress. So, quite frankly, one could argue uh, that it's it it is more important. It could be
2: money well spent. You're right. Yeah, it is
1: more important uh, to try to get to, to try to get these Senate seats, um, but Janet's going to have a tough re-election, uh, and uh, and and she's a workhorse, not a show horse, which is what she's saying. Uh, and it's going to be tough. But obviously, if they if they change the maps on her, and they're able to do that under the under the process, then it it, it becomes even even more difficult. So. Um, you know, th- this is, in my opinion, the biggest issue uh, of this session is redistricting. It's not all the other policy stuff. Uh, it's redistricting, and it's not something that people understand. It's not something that people follow, and it's not something that brings out the emotions like the policy stuff. Um, you know, you're not going to see you're not going to see rallies outside on redistricting, but you'll see it on on these other policy issues.
2: Right. Right. Um, right.
1: And so, you know, uh, you know, we appreciate people like Janet keeping their eye, uh, uh, on that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. And, um, I'm leaving you guys, but I'm gonna leave you with something sappy because my brother died about four months ago, but he said to me one day, he said, I, it's so awful. Why, why do you do this? And I will tell you that he's, uh, he was always you know he was the Republican in the family and me the democrat and he's like why do you do this and i said to him i'm like look glenn when the people of notre dame built notre dame they knew when they were building the foundation that they would never live long enough to see the uh the fruits of their labor but nevertheless they believed and they continued to build that foundation so you know we trick along remember that the democrats were in power how many years jared was it forty years? How long was it that the Democrats ran in power before the Republicans took oh, over? Oh no, it was way
1: longer than forty years. I mean, it was it was the it was the longest time one party had ever controlled uh, all powers of government. And oh by the way, Janet, when we had we had so much power, we started fighting amongst ourselves,
2: and we exactly. took our eye off the ball. And if you think that we weren't just as abusive as the current day situation is, uh, I'm sure that it was. It was that plus some because there were no term limits. So you can imagine how powerful people became. Um, Ron was- Book
1: has told me the story about the Democrat, how the Democrats were in control in 1910. He was there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Senator, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us.
2: Guys, <laughs> Take, Take care. I'm going to go awesome. to the jewelry district now and ask my husband or and convince him to spend some money. we Will do. <laughs> Bye, guys.
0: All right, Mr. Moskowitz. It was a busy week in old uh, uh, national politics, and I'm 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 doing like my week-in-review stuff right now.
1: Uh, can well, I? just- Well, we heard your Dark Knight movie reviews. So we got that done with.
0: Yeah, it's it's just ugly out there. I'm sorry. I'm a little like I'm like I don't know. I'm beaten up, and I don't. To me, it's not about the policy stuff that I'm upset right now because I do feel like the trajectory of the country. Um, you know that i do believe this thanksgiving is better than last um and you know you look at the jobs report that is coming out as we speak now we're at 4.6 unemployment like the 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 future is bright once we get clear of this pandemic but in florida politics i look at like what See, i think
1: happened- it's a mixed bag peter i think you're right there is no doubt no doubt that we are in a better spot uh, in this pandemic than we were last Thanksgiving. We have a vaccine. The Biden administration has done everything they can to get this vaccine out into tremendous political headwinds. Um, and, and so on that aspect, there's no doubt about it that we're better off. But there are other aspects where people might tell you they're not better off. Yes, you look to stock markets at record highs. You know, So if you're, if you're following the stock market and that's what you do, then you're like, this is the greatest time ever. But, you know, people are stocking up on turkeys, you know, now, because they're worried you're not gonna be able to get one for Thanksgiving. Uh, Try to go into a Best Buy, the the shelves are empty, try to buy a car, Uh, you know, go and fill your your tank up with gas. Um, So there are these things uh, that are happening, that I think, quite frankly, raise people's anxiety. Uh, and, And, and so are we better off than than last Thanksgiving? I think overall, the answer to that is yes, but there are these things that are bubbling up Uh that, you know, the, it, we're not 90-10 better off. I mean, it's 55-45. Well, uh, all
0: Ah, right. Uh, I would say from, from a year ago, I think it's 80-20 better off. I mean, I think that The fact that we do have a vaccine that is you know that you can like and to me i I know this sounds like like flippant to somebody like you but the pandemic is over as of literally today if the fact that now anybody who wants to get a shot including children uh, can go and get a shot like today as we roll out you can go and sign up your child five-year-old and up for a vaccine that is readily available in the united states we could solve this pandemic if we really wanted to. I know there's breakthroughs. I know that there's going to need to be boosters, et cetera. But if we want, if we wanted this pandemic to be over today, we we would all go out and get vaccinated, and then all we would deal with at that point are the breakthrough cases. Um, I I will say this: you're right. I'm still scared about the orange man out there. And in fact, I got to make a point that's important for me to say to you, like. When they, when I see a when I see a Yonkin elected, um, like secretly I say to myself, and I don't want anybody else to know this, but I'm like, hey, if you want to elect a doughy white guy that likes fleece sweater vests that used to work for the Carlisle Group, this doughy white guy from St. Pete who likes to wear sweater vests and has his money in his you know the stock market, thank you very much. Throw me in that briar patch all day long. I, you're not taking anything from my, you're not taking anything from me. I'm not going to not benefit from, from that kind of wave. Like I, for me to embrace anything but that I am acknowledging my privilege and saying, I need, I, I want there to be more equity and equitable outcomes because if there's anybody that I literally like uh, identify with, it is freaking suburban parents upset with their schools and want more input if I was living in Virginia I'd be one of those assholes out there screaming about you can't do that to my kids like so it's it quite you know it's hard for me to be upset with some of the results that happened in Virginia because you know what if I was living in Virginia I probably would have voted for Glenn Youngkin given what like if you had kept my kid like you said at the the top you had kept my kid out of school for a year. You, all you gave me was Terry McAuliffe, um as a as a as a as a counter. Man, I don't know. I'd be hard pressed not to vote for that.
1: Well, I, I would not have voted for Glenn Youngkin only because uh, of where the party is headed right now. What you know, he's going to be pulled to the right. Uh, whether it's his. Held belief or not, and 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 that would that would have ultimately been my concern. So I would not have voted for Glenn Youngkin. But what Glenn Youngkin is? Would you is have
0: if a- there was no Trump? Uh, let me ask you, uh, like if 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 Trump was had been like impeached and not impeached, but like proven guilty of impeachment and could not run for president again, like in a in a, in that bubble, like if there was no Trump, would you have been able to get to a a Republican vote? Um, no no listen
1: this is beyond donald trump i mean donald trump has awoken a monster okay and while he while he is a force of personality is able to keep people in check the policies that have come out and that are taking hold right now and the language uh that is coming out he it's alive on its own i mean he created the frankenstein monster and frankenstein's running around. Uh, and so I would not have voted for Glenn Youngkin, but what I would say about Glenn Youngkin is two things. One is he's a throwback to the regular old Republican nominee that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Right? He 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 fits kind that's of That's Jeff
0: Atwater up there. I mean, yeah, that's that, he, he just yeah, got he fit, elected. He fits uh,
1: that he fits that mold. He is not a Donald Trump uh protégé. Um so that's the first thing. Second thing is What he accomplished in Virginia, and I don't like to extrapolate one state, but consultants are going to do this. They're going to cobble together what he did in Virginia and try to roll that out, which is Mm -hmm. embrace Donald, but but keep him at arm's length. Remember, Terry McAuliffe ran a campaign mostly around Donald Trump. okay, and it didn't work uh, because Glenn Youngkin was able to kind of do this kabuki dance with him, with Donald Trump. He's in, he's not in, he's kind of in, but he's in the background. He's not in the foreground. You know, we say nice things, but we're not too we don't say too nice things. Um, And and so perception is reality. People absorbed Glenn Youngkin and didn't take him as a as a Trump disciple. And so, you know, as a Democrat, I'm that concerns me uh, that they may now have found a middle ground strategically on how to advance Donald Trump's stuff without having to put donald trump front and center
0: um i can't believe we didn't talk about this with janet but i guess we real quick we do have to acknowledge that it was an okay day for centrists and maybe even progressives throughout much of florida um at the municipal elections that we had here um dan gelber was re-elected not that that was a surprise but dan gelber kind of a at this point you know elder statesman kind of a giant you know uh, in the party one of the last people standing from um from the the better days for the democratic party ken welch becomes first black mayor of st petersburg uh progressives didn't do so well in orlando incumbents hung on there but they knocked off a uh qAnon candidate running in the mayoral race in lakeland um some a democratic socialist got elected to City Council in St. Pete, along with the first Hispanic member of uh, of that City Council. So, um, I will say this: I, I've thought about you and I've been talking a little bit and about doing a, a piece because I do think you and I we are like the centrists, you know. And there is a battle going on. Uh, which, which way forward? I think Tuesday was a great day for Val Demings because it reiter- it basically said, "Hey." All of the things that she is strong with are the only things that you all have left. The things that you all are vulnerable on, she is not vulnerable on. So she is not somebody that you are going to be able to lump into bad categories that candidates aren't gonna like. She is strong, like the we are at the end of the defund the, the police movement. So it's like, let's get rid of that. She is not a defund the police. She is a, a fund the police, you know, former law enforcement leader. I just feel like, um, and in fact, I saw a little snapshot poll uh, that Sachs Media Group did for us that shows that race at only 51.49. Um, and I trust Karen Cyphers's number. She's a brilliant, uh, uh, brilliant uh, data person up there. She's not a pollster. Uh, I didn't get to look inside that, but I just feel like Val Demings, like, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, she, you could go all in for her at this point. Uh, if you weren't there already?
1: No, I mean, first of all, going back to what I said earlier about how it's tough to recruit people, I mean, Val Demings is the best candidate we could ever hope for in that race, period. Not only is she good, a genuine person, has the experience, but she checks all of the current day-to-day, today's politics boxes. Uh, and, And so, you know, if Democrats had any hope in trying to win that seat, uh, you couldn't ask for a better Val Demings. I wish we had 10 more Val Demings running in other places. Um, but look, it's, you know, that's still going to be an uphill battle. Always taking out a uh, uh, an incumbent is tough. Uh, Mitch McConnell is going to throw uh, as much money as uh, he has, which is probably unlimited. Uh, and even though the Senate seat is at the top of the ticket, You know, if there is a groundswell of support for Governor DeSantis, and if uh, the Democratic gubernatorial candidates are underfunded, uh, DeSantis, even though he's below Rubio, will wind up carrying Rubio uh, across the finish line. Um, But listen, if you're a Democrat uh, and and you want to be proud or you want to find a glimmer of hope, I mean, you look to Val Demings, uh, because I think she's a, a tremendous candidate with a tremendous record, a tremendous story and background. Um, and and I, I, when we talk about the DJ and these other things, Democrats are going to go all in on Val Demings. Money, resources, time. I mean, they're going to go all in for her, and, and, and deservedly so. So uh, I mean, Peter and Broward, we got a congressional seat now, the seat to replace Alice Hastings. Um, three votes. 3 votes separate first and second place. Yeah. Um it it it, it is it is wild. Uh you know, I'll say Hastings is probably loving this. Uh and you know, now we're going to we're waiting for military ballots uh to come in. Uh we're waiting for other ballots that might have challenges to it. This will probably wind up in court. We're not going to know who who's going to who wins the primary here in Broward for probably uh, probably the next next several weeks, but it's fascinating. You went over some of the other results. I mean, I think, you know, depending upon the community, there's different results uh, in different places, which just continues to show how all politics is local. In Boston, a pro- new progressive mayor, uh, fantastic news for the city of Boston. In the city of New York, they turned away from progressivism, uh, went to a former Uh, a former uh, police officer uh, with a more moderate policy. Uh, in Buffalo, the Democrats had put up forward a, a Democratic Socialist, but the write-in candidate, who was the former Democratic mayor, beat the Democratic nominee, who was a Democratic Socialist. So it, it's, it's a mis- mixed bag on, depending upon you know, the, the community and the politics locally, which makes politics so fascinating is that even though there is a national trend line, there are still these different things that happen uh, locally because there's so much, so much going on. So well that's
0: that's a you bring up you, you kind of get to a point here where um I think somebody tweeted this so I'm I'm stealing their content but you know we kind of overlook some of this or uh over analyze some of this stuff where basically for the last I mean and it goes back to you know it goes at least back to 94 at this point the um you basically have very close elections you know 55 45 uh, at, at the worst. And it's just a small group goes from one side to the other. Um, we look at that as some titanic national shift. Uh, it really is not. It's just like, again, you know, Biden only beats Trump. Yes, he won. He had seven more million national votes. But if you you can shift just a few tens of thousands of votes in a few states, same way that that happened to Hillary, etc., Basically, people just don't like what they have, and they vote out the people uh, that they that they that are in there. You know, again, going back to my point, Biden's getting shit for basically getting the country back on a uh, on sound footing, even though yeah, you know, you're you're not gonna. I, I get it. Your butterball turkey is going to be a little bit smaller this year, um, and there are some supply chain issues. I get that, but people just they just they turn out. Or they turn out the government that they they that we have right now. There's a lot of volatility in our system over the last 30 years. That predates Trump. I think another thing you, we have to, and I'm just going to call it out here. Um, I, this is kind of coming from Black Twitter a lot. But when are we going to confront the uh, the subtle native racism of of so many white suburban women who seem to um, as a voting block, they seem to they are they are able to get manipulated by larger forces. Oh, there's an immigrant. There's caravans.
1: Uh, do you think it's manipulated, or do you think they get scared?
0: I, I, you know what I I told this to Steve Ancor We were talking about it. It is the proverbial story of the woman that clutches her purse when she sees a person of color walking towards them on a sidewalk. It is a psychological phenomenon and. It just seems like that is who, I, I, I don't expect um, a good portion of white men to want to give up their position in society to the multicultural um, coalition that wants to take from them the, the things that they have secured, whether, however they have accomplished or secured them at this point in the progress of civilization. I get that. But the white women suburban voter block just seems to like fluctuate. Sometimes it's okay, and it's with Biden. And then like right now, it's like scared of crime and immigration and these things. And those aren't like I I don't know what the answer is to that. But I I feel like that that is going to be a fraying part of the Democratic coalition is, you know, if I'm looking at like if I'm people of color, if I'm black women who have kind of saved the Democratic Party in certain elections, I'd be looking at some of the suburban white women votes, these mythical voters, and I'm like, "Hey, why are you so afraid of of what's happening? And why do you why do you run to the the you know it's they always say the mommy party and the daddy party? Why do you run back to the daddy party uh, at the first airing of a um, immigration story on Fox News? I think that that's a big problem in the Democratic Party that they're going to have to explore more of over the next year.
1: So I think I I think a lot of that is true, uh, you know. I want to I want to end with with a couple of questions of you. I want I want to bring up a couple a, a couple of topics. I want to hear what okay. you think. Okay.
0: Did we go so- on today again. I love it. Although I will say, as I thought, our podcast last week was our best one, best traffic, most feedback. The one it was your interviewing skills, and so you're turning into um, you're turning into a heck of a journalist here. I'm, I'm very I mean, I'm, well, as it turns out,
1: and I kind of figured this out as a politician, but you don't need any skills to be a journalist. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, I kid. I don't low need any barrier. hate, I don't need any hate low barrier mail. Entry. I don't need any hate mail. So, uh, so Virginia, right? The results of yeah. Virginia. Would you rather be Nikki or Charlie a- after the results of Virginia?
0: Oh, I mean, it's not even close. It's Charlie at this point. I mean, um, uh, it's just there's just um, it's clear that there's there is no embrace for a far uh, for a left leaning uh, candidate in 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 uh, these purple states like Virginia and to a certain extent uh, Florida. I think the idea like if I look at the results in Florida and I see like a Ken Welch who's like a former Republican um, rides a motorcycle black guy you know, like that, the only way that Democrats win are the vows and the Ken Welch's who are tougher, um, who have who you can't tag the socialist moniker on that you can't lump into the, um, you know, defund the police AOC side. Um, they make excellent Congress people. They don't make excellent statewide candidates. And Charlie is just much more of a centrist candidate than Nikki is. I mean, it's just undeniable that he is. And this, you know, the only one closer to where the electorate of Florida is at this point is Charlie. I said it as much on Tuesday night. Not only and another thing for Charlie is his allies won. Like he already had a, I mean St. Pete's is obviously his home turf, but you know, he was an early, early endorser of Ken Welch. Um, and and in a in a in a wide open field. With other Democrats running, he endorsed there. He endorsed in city council races. Like St. Pete is on lockdown for him now. If St. Pete is the you know most prominent liberal city outside of South Florida at this point, you know he's got St. Pete. He's got Jacksonville. You know as as these two bases now. Um, I think Charlie is in a lot better position uh, after uh, after Tuesday.
1: All right. Quick challenge on that, because I want to move to the next question, just because I, I want to bring it up. There are if you talk to progressives, what they'll say is, what are you talking about? Terry McAuliffe and Charlie are the same person, very similar politics. It's a retread. And that guy lost in Virginia. Don't you think that's a sign for Florida? What do you say to those people?
0: I I, I, I thought that was a good point. Uh, the retread argument. And Kevin Kate brought this up the other night. Um, I, I, I do think that is that is a legitimate concern, the the re- the retread and kind of I, I will say this. I don't think that like McAuliffe's strength is fundraising has always been fundraising. I mean, he is he was kind of um. I mean, he's a, kind of a hyper activist that got into electoral politics. I mean, he was he was the Clinton's like chief fundraiser in that area. Right. And then he got elected. Charlie, Michelle and I talked about this. Charlie would never, Charlie Crist would never, ever in a million years say something as stupid as, you know, parents shouldn't have a, uh, a say in their children's education curriculum. Like, like, Charlie would be the opposite of that. Charlie would say something like, even if he believed differently, Charlie would say, you know oh, Charlie
1: would, Charlie would be in the classroom teaching your children reading the book to them that's what yeah, Charlie would just be doing Yeah there is
0: no way that kind of gaffe would ever come out He will say stupid things that you disagree with and he will but that just that he would never be that tone deaf on the big issue If if Charlie had been running in Virginia and he had seen like 12 14 days out like where you saw saw the race turning with these like parents and on education the whole campaign would have been run out of a classroom for the last two weeks. Charlie Christ would never have had Randy Weingarten the night before um, election day as his closing uh, speaker. It just so there the advantage of being a rate retread is that you have you've gone through some of these things and and it just I thought about that because I knew that Charlie was going to get hit on that like oh, it's just another you know retread white guy part of that also is is that you know um i i i still it's kind of a little weird we're about like 10 days into Annette todayo, and we haven't there hasn't been much movement there has there i mean am i missing and I, i'm not i don't want to i don't want to crap on her campaign i like senator Tadeo a lot but it's like you know
1: I that doesn't that's not surprising I mean I, I think
0: there's I mean, no I, like tour there's no like listening well I mean, like, well, I mean, mean look, look there's any of that yeah,
1: well because look, the oxygen was obviously being sucked out of the room because of all the all the upcoming elections right that were going on so politically and maybe that, she
0: shouldn't have announced then you
1: know, I mean po- politically that's where people were focused and and number two is we've talked about this the primary does isn't breaking through. I don't have a single yeah. friend, even people who follow politics talking to me about the primary. They talk to me about the crap they're angry about that's happening. No one's talking to me about the primary. Let's switch. Let's go to the next topic. I want to talk about something that's kind of underneath Republican politics right now, but it is fascinating. Roger Stone coming after Governor DeSantis saying Mm -hmm. he's going to run against him. And they've put up a billboard in Tallahassee, by the way, but, but Uh, he has said he's going to run against Governor DeSantis in the primary Roger Stone. If Governor DeSantis doesn't order an election audit in Florida, what is the percentage of chance that Governor DeSantis orders an election audit?
0: Um, If he, I think it is a 50% chance. If you don't use the word audit, like if it is somehow um, a review like if it's something like, oh, we're gonna just go ahead and test the system or something like that. I don't know that we're going to have a Arizona style audit, but I could see January, February, um, um, we're gonna do a stress test, a dry, you know, we just, we wanna make sure that, um, that we wanna go over the ballots one more time or something to that extent. I could, I could see that because I do feel like, I mean, God, DeSantis is just so afraid, like, you know, he's so afraid of getting that Trump blast against him. You know, he was he was born in the dark. And so, you know, it's natural to him. He was born with a Trump tweet. He does not want, he knows the power of it. I don't think he I, I don't think he's scared of anything other than um the press release coming out that says, why is Ron DeSantis, you know, coming out from Mar-a-Lago saying, Why is Ron DeSantis, who I thought was a good guy, now going soft against these liberal rhino, blah, blah, blah. Let's keep an eye on this. And that would just, it would just rile up the whole Florida base and all that crazy stuff. And I think that that's what he's most afraid of right now. All
1: right, last question, and then we got to wrap it up. Okay, so Francis Suarez, the guy's on fire. Yeah. You know, just raising a million dollars a month, crushed his reelection. He's you know, uh, he's become a national figure in crypto and technology and trying to recruit businesses to Miami. I mean, this guy clearly is 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 going to be going places. What does he run for next? Does he run for Congress? Does he run for governor? Can can he become the Republican nominee in a time like this? I mean, what do you think?
0: Why wouldn't you just want to stay and be mayor of Miami? What a great
1: job. I mean, I think there's, I think there's term limits.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, so I should know that as a publisher of Florida Politics. That,
1: that's okay. We'll edit that part out. No problem. Uh, uh, gosh, I,
0: do you really want to? I mean, I, I still think it's kind of weird seeing Carlos Eminet in, in Congress, like to go from this big figure to this kind of partisan figure. Um, that still, to me, is a little odd. I see it more like I do. Feel like is Rick Scott going to stay in the Senate forever? Um, here, I'll throw it. I'll throw it out this way. So when DeSantis wins reelection and starts running for president, and somehow becomes the vice presidential nominee or whatever, um, and resigns or whatever, and resets the whole Republican calculus. Um, I, in 2020, what that'll be 2024, and you know maybe it'll be Jeanette Nunez's, uh governor. Maybe you know there's rumors that DeSantis is thinking about putting Corcoran in as the nominee or as LG. You know subbing out there. That's one of the like favorite games of Tallahassee. I think the 2024 presidential race will reshuffle a lot of the um, the openings for people. Like Francis Suarez, who um, who may be bottled up because there's no place to go.
1: All right, you wanna you wanna end it with an ask me anything? We'll do like two or three of those, and then and then we'll close the show. Uh,
0: no, I don't. We're good. No. <laughs>
1: well, that's fine. You let me off easy. I mean, I have no idea what you're gonna ask me.
0: Uh, you know, how are things going? Like for you? Like you know, we got a second. Like I love the personal on the podcast. Like you know, are you are you? You're. You, it's now been like you've been, you've been home long enough now. Like, so, and now you got, you've got your first holiday, you're going to have your first holidays at home. January, February, do you like start thinking about like, Hey, what am I doing next? I mean, where are you at? Like, where's your head at on stuff?
1: Well, I mean, look, Peter, obviously the, the political juices are still there. Right. I mean, I, I still have a lot I'd like to get accomplished politically. I still think there's a lot to, to do. Right. I mean, that's, been one of the things that's boggled my mind like it's like we in D, in DC we're arguing whether it should be 1.5, 1.75, 3 trillion dollars. Let me be clear. 1.5 trillion dollars will change people's lives. Get it passed, let's go. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, the one thing about, you know, Congress is like, there will be a next and a next, we might not be around the corner, but there'll be another time. Let's go help people today. Let's like every day we delay, there's a person suffering. There's someone in poverty, there's someone in a minority community that needs help. Uh, and, and we're trying to just get things perfect. That's not, there is not a piece of legislation that's perfect. and so those are the things that drive me back into the process. But look, personally, Peter, you know, think, you know things with my dad are not going well. Uh, you know, I've, I've t- started to talk about it. Well, you know, why I came home. It is, was about my kids and my wife, but also about my dad, who's, who's unfortunately very sick. And so, um, you know, even though, it, 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 you know, I'm on the sideline right now, I'm on the sideline for good reason. I'm doing what I should be doing. And I'm going to continue to do that. And if that means that there are political opportunities that pass themselves by, uh, it is what it is. Uh, But I'm I'm staying home uh, and where I'm at for the time being.
0: I guess I mean not. It's not that I don't believe that. Um, Have you thought about like I, I mean, when is the Jared Moskowitz Consulting Shop open up? I mean, honestly, and I'm not just buttering you up there, but it's like you you could make that pivot in a way, like. I I do, like, I really, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting, like, that tweet is so right, it's so simple, it's just like, just get shit, just get shit done, and I do think about the people who are in the legislature, like Janet, who we were just talking about, you know, Janet is only going to get so much done in Tallahassee, and she does do a good job at that, Uh, but she's also a huge figure in her, like, I don't think people understand what a big figure Janet is in in, in West Tampa, in Hillsborough, et cetera, especially, you know, with her son doing the restaurants with her daughter, Anna, who's a big figure in uh, lobbying and is the first lady of, of Tampa. But, you know, I think about Rusan, you know, Russan, like, yeah, he's a state senator, but what he also is, is like this, like community leader for South Pinellas County and uh, the black part of St. Petersburg. Um, and I just, I, 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 I really think those are people that also know how to get things done. And so when you said it, I'm just like, Jesus, I just wish Moskowitz would like come up with like a 10 point thing. And like, it's, it's, it's keep it simple, stupid. Like just get these people back in in line, man. And like, stop trying, like, Jared, I gotta be honest. Like I didn't love the uh, optics of seeing the president talking about climate change when all this other shit is going on. Like, like I get that that's a big issue, but like, I don't think that that's what the electorate is, the swing voters are like super concerned with. And I just wish there was just a recentering of all this. And I feel like you are one of those politicians that could advise other politicians now because of your record on getting them back in line. I mean, would you ever start up, you know, Jared
1: Oh, I do it informally. If you don't think I know, but (laughs) if if you don't think most of these politicians call me so that they can hear the truth rather than, you know, some talking point that's, you know, poll tested and focus grouped. And, you know, uh, that happens. Uh, And that, you know, look, I subscribe to the James Carville sort of political consultancy, which is this is about kitchen table stuff. It's gonna always be about kitchen state table stuff. It will continue to be about kitchen table stuff. I mean, people care about what's going on in their lives, right? The, it's the economy stupid, right? That was really about kitchen table stuff. So it is about gas prices. It is about supply chain. We can say, oh, it's minor, but that's kitchen table stuff, right? Not being able to get Johnny the birthday gift he wants because you can't find it anywhere, kitchen table stuff. Right. Driving, you know, around where that used to cost you thirty dollars and it's now costing you fifty dollars. That's kitchen table stuff. You're not being able to send your kids to school because the schools are closed and the government is fighting with each other. Kitchen table stuff. And so I'm a kitchen table guy. Look, high intellectual policy debates are great. We love them. But the majority of Americans, whether they're on the right or the left, don't pay attention to that they they what they pay attention to is what is happening politically that is affecting my life when i wake up at seven in the morning and i go to bed at nine o'clock at night and how does it affect my kids and that's what democrats should be talking about because quite frankly we've always done that better than republicans but lately we've just gone off in the deep end. That's why I love this line. It's James Carvel's. It's Carvel's line, uh, which I'm, which I've co-opted. But I, I just think it's great. Which is, we're so focused on changing dic- dictionaries, we forgot that we're elected to change laws, right? I mean, that's what we need to be doing uh, and get focused on. So look again, Peter. I, I don't know what i'll do next uh, i i really am focused on my family i know it's tough for people in politics to to believe that but look you know you you were you dedicated your you, you were dedicated to your wife when you know she was going through her medical issues and at that time you know that was the only thing that mattered right? right and for me right now this is this is the only thing that matters does that mean i'm not paying attention and i wouldn't like to run for stuff but right now all of that for me is a distraction and you know, time is limited. I'll never get that time back. And if I divert away, I will regret it uh, forever. The one thing I know for sure, even though it's getting crazier and crazier and crazier, and people have to say crazy things that they don't believe to get elected these days because they're trying to appeal to the people who vote in primaries, the one thing I know for sure is politics will still be here. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I, you know, those opportunities will present themselves.
0: On that note, I am going to bid you adieu, my friend. Bid you adieu. Um,
1: I think we went like 90 minutes. We're going to really find out how much people love us on this podcast.
0: Well, you know what, though? Good pod, listen. There is just, first of all, we don't have a lot of competition and people, like, so being at the panel, I know you're out. Oh, that
1: makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Jared, listen, you're doing a really good job at this podcast, (laughs) but there's no competition. No, I'm telling you, like,
0: I've never believed in quantity over quality. Like I I really do believe in like we're just trying to influence a very small group of people. Yes, we'd love it to go national, but people come, they come up and they're like, Oh, I was listening to Jared. And when he said it and it will be something that you said at like the 47th minute, I'm like, how the hell did you listen to us for that long? And then you just realize that's, you know, they're selling AirPods like they're hotcakes. And it's not that there's more music out there. It's because there's podcasts. Um, People need things to listen to. You know, you do a great job. Like, as the person who does, like, I probably do, like, 10 podcasts a week, uh, like, right now, like, between our own and then, like, guesting in on other ones. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. And so if I haven't said thank you in a while, um, thank you for being a part of this podcast. And so I
1: appreciate it. And now we're going to let people get back to their lives. Uh, So thank you for listening.
0: Okay.